small businesses are ready to thrive again and looking for resources to rise to the challenge. That's why Dell Technologies has assembled an all-star lineup of podcasters for the third year in a row to create a virtual conference to share advice and inspiration for small businesses. Whether you're still working remotely or back together again, let Dell Technologies help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 11 Pro. Search Dell Technologies Small Business Podference on odyssey.com, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Okay, this is it. Just three extra episodes of the course of two days. This is the second part of our interview with Che Wong. He is the CEO of Boxed. And uh, again, we are so delighted that he took some time to chat with us. We just wanted to catch up with a few CEOs after the worst part of the pandemic was behind us. Here's the second part of our interview with Che Wong. You get to the summer of 2020, things are, you know, kind of opening up in some parts, crazy still. When is it that you think about going public? Like, I presume those are conversations that were happening once you got out of that very high intensity period in the beginning. So when did you start thinking this this is something we could actually do? It was right around that time. So, um, you know, we had always thought, and me personally, it was always my dream to be a public company. Having made it, it's kind of like the Super Bowl of capitalism, of being an entrepreneur, is to ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange one day. And, you know, it was always kind of a little bit of a pipe dream. I think so many people uh, thought, yeah, yeah, sure, Jay, you know, one day we'll be public. Yeah, that's what everyone says. But once we got our wits about us, once things kind of settled down, you know, we got out of hard lockdown, you know, we began to think, okay, I think this is our moment and we should really try to, to kind of capture that dream in the coming year. And so right around that time, we began to think about it. Tell me about the idea of using a SPAC versus the traditional way that you would go public. Why go the SPAC route? A variety of reasons. So, you know, I remember when I first brought it up to our board of directors, I think someone said, what are you, a mining company? You know, SPACs are for mining companies like in Australia. You know, I think the, the, the thinking certainly began to evolve quite rapidly in 2020. The SPAC vehicle allowed us to do a few things. One was, on paper at least, it allowed us to raise a lot more money for the company than a traditional IPO would. Two, we can go public with more certainty. So, you know, SPACs are already public. So it's just a matter of when you want to actually do it once the documents are signed. And then third and most importantly, it allowed us to show... Um, the world, what our business could become after COVID. Because, you know, what we didn't talk about yet is actually it was a double-edged sword for us. Our B2C business, aka me and you buying toilet paper, went gangbusters. But mm-hmm. our B2B business fell off a cliff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, nobody was ordering from us. And that was an important part of our business. Did you feel like this was the moment to pull the trigger because you could get out, you could get the money that you needed, and then you could go from there kind of? Is that sort of, because you're not, this was not, I mean, obviously your investors get to cash out, but you don't want to leave. You're there. What happens next after, you know, you make this pitch to go public? It's still, I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions, but you know, it's it's still a small company. So where do you go from here? So the reason why, you know, we thought it was, a great moment for us is because you know a lot of companies go public and that's it and now what what are the next drivers for us mm-hmm. we felt like 
geez, actually a great opportunity. Like B2C grew, B2B, you know, fell off a cliff, but we have a built-in tailwind tailwind when the world returns to normal that we're starting to see today, right? Like in our last two earnings calls, B2B was up 50% and then another 60%. So there was a built-in tailwind when the world returns to normal, you know, that I think there'll be a second kind of uh, a win for us as a, as, a, as a company. The other is executing or not only serving our customers well, but also taking advantage of the fact that, hey, our B2B business went away during COVID. So what were some of the other business lines that we could start in its stead? And that's actually selling the technology that powers the entire business. And we did that beginning in 2021. So hmm. really being able to catapult us from where we are today, call it, you know, sub a billion in market cap to multiple billion, you know, there's a lot of eyes on that software business that we started. Okay, wait. So talk to us about that. So where do you, so how would that work? Like when you, and now I'm sort of like, oh, this is fantastic. This is the AWS is to Amazon is selling, <laughs> right? So what are you, who are your natural customers who would buy your technology? So, you know, before COVID, it was a nice to have to be great at e-commerce. If you're just a, a retailer out there or any mm-hmm. company out there, after COVID, it became a need to have. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have it, you had no future in the world. And so all these companies at once thought, what can I do? Like, should I build it myself? Should I call all these different companies and mesh it together? Jesus, there's just one call I can make for someone to just do it all for me. Just one hand to shake and one neck to choke if it goes wrong. And the answer is not many across the world can do it end to end all the way to robotics. And mm. so we just felt like, wow, what an opportunity to, to monetize that technology. And that's exactly what we did. How important is it that, you know, you're public, you have a certain amount of money behind you now that you're going to get lumped in now when the markets sell off, you get pulled down in a downdraft. You know, now I'm talking to you, the NASDAQ stand lost a quarter of its value since the fall. How much is that a detriment for you guys? I would say to a certain extent, it's been a detriment. There's good and bad, right? Like a lot of the big software companies of the world, e-commerce companies of the world, they're all kind of in that peer set that uh, people compare us with. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we first met Jill, that would never have been the case. You know, right. people would never have uttered us in the same breath as those companies. But now that we're public, we are. Um, so there's good and bad to that. Well, the bad is also like, you know, obviously there's been a huge downturn in the market for these stocks. The good is that because our business is so diversified and because our market cap is relatively reasonable, you know, we haven't suffered as bad as some of the other names out there. And I'm truly knocking on everything that's wooden in this room that I'm in. So, but overall, I think people just look at, wow, they're e-commerce, but they also have software. This is, And there's B2B to it. It's a little bit of a different story. So let's see how it shakes out. Do you find that people are coming to you now in this high inflationary environment and checking prices much more readily? Like, you know, if you think back two years ago, we were talking about just get it. I couldn't care less what it costs. Now people are becoming much more price sensitive. How important is that for you guys to really keep your eyes on your pricing and use technology to manage dynamic pricing for you? So we're really starting to see it. You know, I could speak on behalf of the data. When you're sending out emails that have, you know, topics like gas or inflation busting. And so having great technology and being able to segment customers in real time and seeing who's clicking on what and knowing that that's resonating is really important to our business. I think, though, what you're going to see is actually, I know it's self-serving that I'm saying this, but when you look at hard discounters or bulk buying, actually, those types of companies are rather counter-cyclical because people are trying to get ahead of inflation and you can either 
trade down and go to a hard discounter. Um, you can buy private brands or you can buy more of your favorite brand to, to save a bit on the unit price. Who do you see as like your main competition besides, say, Amazon and Walmart and Target? But who else is in this industry? I mean, how about these niche players? I don't know if they sponsored the podcast. I think they sponsored the radio show. But Thrive Market, is that someone, is that an organization that is similar to you? How do you see these these different competitors? Yeah, to a certain extent. What's interesting and probably not the most um, salient competitor in most people's minds when they think about us would actually be dollar stores and uh, traditional supermarkets. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because our business has evolved so much over the last several years that our core customer, almost 70% as of our last demographic read, almost 70% of our customer set actually lives out in either the deep suburbs or rural America. Hmm. And so a lot of these folks don't live within a 30, 60, 90 minute drive of Warehouse Club. You know, when you look at where they're also shopping, you know, they're not going to Costco because there's no Costco, you know, within a 90 minute drive. And so they're going to a regular supermarket. And now that they can buy bulk online, you know, they're switching to us. And it is the same model. In other words, it is the same model as a, you know, a Costco is that where you pay a certain fee and that's your recurring revenue and then you make money, you know, pennies on bounty. Is that right? Uh, So to a certain extent. So, you know, our number one most liked feature of shopping on Boxed is the fact that you can shop with no membership fee. Mm -hmm. Now, we do have a paid loyalty program where you get additional discounts and you get coupons and free shipping. But uh, the number one most liked feature is the fact that it's no membership fee. But, you know, the, the assortment is very similar. So we sell, you know, the giant tub of cheese balls that, you know, you takes two hands to two hands and wrapping it around your body to, to pick it up. Uh, so from that standpoint, we're quite similar. Small businesses are ready to thrive again and looking for resources to rise to the challenge. That's why Dell Technologies has assembled an all-star lineup of podcasters for the third year in a row to create a virtual conference to share advice and inspiration for small businesses. Whether you're still working remotely or back together again, let Dell Technologies help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 11 Pro. Search Dell Technologies Small Business Podference on odyssey.com, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Is there any idea that maybe, I know this sounds nutty, but like I'm thinking about, okay, you got this warehouse in New Jersey, like maybe you're going to have this amazing opportunity to get a huge amount of space in midtown Manhattan because nobody's there still. And like, would you ever have distribution in a city? You read, I I love this because you read our minds and you read my mind and we've already actioned upon it. So right as we went public, uh, the day we went public, we also bought a company that does just that. So we bought a company called Max Delivery in Manhattan Uh, They operate out of the center of Manhattan. They offer fresh food deliveries, dry food delivery, frozen food in under an hour, almost anywhere in Manhattan. And we're going to take that model and spread it not only throughout kind of different cities across America, but more importantly, potentially spreading it throughout the suburbs uh, of the U.S. Because, you know, a lot of the services that, you know, me and you and a lot of folks that listen to the podcast can enjoy aren't enjoyed by folks who live out in the deep suburbs of rural America. And and I think that's a big market that we can go after. Okay. So now post COVID, let's look at your wish list of technology and like, what do you want that hasn't been invented yet that you really need? 
AI to replace me so I can go on vacation finally. Nice. That's good. That's good. AI <laughs> to replace the CEO. It's, uh, you know, it's been a while, two years, Jill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, joking aside, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, you know, AI does evolve in the coming years. Because I think, you know, between customer service, between prediction models of how people behave, these are all things that we can do, you know, a better and better job uh, with in the coming years. I'm also really looking forward to those robotic arms that I was talking about right now. You can see some of them online, but they're kind of like toys. I mean, they're not moving at the speed and with the accuracy you need them to move at. But I do think over this next decade, you're really going to see that change. And then third, reliable and predictable self-driving vehicles, Mm. I think are going to change the world. When you think about it, most of the costs of e-commerce is in that delivery. If it costs virtually nothing because it's an autonomous electric car for us to deliver something straight to your home, and if buying something online is markedly cheaper because you're saving gas, because there's, you know, no one needs to drive the car to deliver to you. So Mm -hmm. it's markedly cheaper than going in store. You know, it starts to become not a, hey, which one do I prefer? But it becomes an IQ test. It's like I could save money, a lot of money and a lot of time. I think that will be a watershed moment for the world. You know, like I know like people are talking about drones. Yeah. The reality is our average package, Jill, it's like it's 35 pounds. So if we miss <laughs> a drone, it's coming through your roof, you know? <laughs> so, you know, and people say, hey, I didn't get it. Well, did you see it went through your attic? So could you have imagined three years ago that the business would be at this place? It feels like your business was propelled to a totally different place. I know this sounds kind of the good side of COVID. I know it's tragedy. I understand that. But I'm just saying, is it possible to say that, gosh, this crazy pandemic really made our business bigger and more successful than we ever could have imagined at this point in the lifespan of the business? I think it made it more relevant, meaning that as an entrepreneur, you're just picking an industry where you hope, you know, the world will kind of bend in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and for most entrepreneurs, the reality is the world does not bend into that section. You know, back in 2013, we were like the crazy person with the placard and uh, on their chest in Times Square saying, you know, the world is going to do this. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to buy laundry detergent online. And people thought we were crazy. And, you know, it took a lot of hard work and some things to happen for us to be kind of that salient service for the world. So yeah, it's been a wild three years. I mean, you know, I remember our our first time meeting. I certainly, I could not have predicted that three years later, this, the whole world would be on the verge of falling apart, then coming back together, then us being a public company. So now that we are in the post-pandemic period and, you know, we got a report from Amazon that, you know, a little dip in business, people actually liking the idea of going out and going to places and getting their stuff in person do you think there's going to be some readjustment to the consumer demand for Boxed? I think there definitely will be. And, you know, I think of it from two different perspectives. So first, you know, I'm a human being too. I know a lot of folks uh, don't think CEOs are actually humans, that we can't kind of, we can't actually pass one of those CAPTCHA tests that see if you're a robot or not. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm a human too. And now that the world is going back to normal, I, I'm looking forward to taking a vacation and going out and doing all the things that I felt we took for granted for so many years. Mm -hmm. Um, On the flip side, when it comes to our business, it can and it's starting to be a positive for us. So of course, the B2C business, that's starting to level off. But the B2B business that went away in the middle of COVID, that's our most profitable uh, and our stickiest customer set, 
that's really starting to come back as offices begin to open around uh, the country today. So, you know, I, I think there's it's a double-edged sword for us, and we're looking forward to those businesses coming back. Okay, last question. You were in the gaming industry, and I'm wondering how you're feeling about these agonizingly lengthy conversations about the metaverse and <laughs> the changes that it will bring to society. Because, I mean, obviously as a gamer, you were in a your own metaverse. And now you're like 180 degrees, the opposite of that, like <laughs> toilet paper in a warehouse. So tell me, do you ever feel like, gosh, I'd love to do that metaverse thing. I'd love to like start another gaming company. What What's, you know, again, I know you're doing box now, but is there, is there some pull into that world or back into that world? Well, it's funny you say that because when we were in gaming, I just thought our next business, I just want to touch and feel it. You know, it's like, it's, I don't want ephemeral. Like I, I need to feel it. And then you can imagine sitting at a cold warehouse a few years later. I'm like, why did we yeah, <laughs> right. nice just to sit in front of a computer all day? Um, I do think the metaverse will become a bigger and bigger part of our lives. Will we all be strapped into VR headsets and, and sit in a massage chair all day and not have to move? I don't know. I, I don't see that happening within a few decades. But at the same time, when you talk to a younger generation, when you talk about what's most important to them, Geez, I mean, like it's more and more digital. The collectibles that they care about, the quote unquote celebrities that they care about, who they follow, how they spend time. It's starting to go in that direction. I can't imagine, you know, once technology overall is starting to be adopted, it rarely ever takes a step back. Mm. And so, you know, look at e-commerce, slow and steady. You know, look at the internet, slow and steady. But over time, it becomes an ingrained part of our lives. So I think it will become an ingrained part of our lives. But I don't know if our normal life, like me and you speaking today, will ever go away because I think that's what makes us human. All right. Thanks so much for listening to these bonus episodes. You know, you're not off the hook. We're going to keep putting more episodes in your feed. These few were just little extra, little cherries on top for uh, the mid-May season. Okay. If you've got a financial question or you've got a great experience to share about how you navigated your small business through the COVID era, just go to JillOnMoney.com, click on the Contact Us button. Don't forget to let us know if you would be willing to come on the air. Thank you so much for listening to these bonus episodes. Grit, growth, grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 